Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story. This is Chelsea, and I'm joined today by Ryan and Chris Latzbaugh, and we are in 2 Kings, 2 Chronicles, Isaiah, and a little bit of Hosea. Tiny little bit. Stay tuned. All over the place. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, we're all over the place, but the cool thing is it's like the chronological thing. Mm-hmm. So there actually could you could you give us a little bit of perspective on that cuz some of it is chronological and some of it's a little misleading actually. Yeah, I mean, so there's two different kingdoms as uh, our listeners are all aware of that we the United Kingdom of Israel was divided into the north, which is now called Israel, and the south, which is called Judah. And so at certain times we're following Judah's kings, at certain times we're following Israel's kings. Uh, and sometimes the way the all these kings overlap, so the way that prophetic books and things like that are placed in, uh, you know, the people putting this together have done their best to put it about where things happen. So uh, occasionally you might be like, "We're talking, we haven't talked about these kings, or we already talked about these kings, but it's it's within a few years because several of these kings just reign for a really short time." Um, so that's a little bit of what's going on. And then there's, of course, all these different surrounding nations around them that we're also getting prophecies about. So uh, if you feel like you just like, who are we talking about again? Usually at the beginning of a new reading, it kind of it's very good for setting the tone. Mm-hmm. We're talking about this king or this prophet even, and they are speaking during the reign of da-da-da-da-da-da. And that helps us date it a little bit. Our reading today is towards the end of the Northern Kingdom. We're actually almost uh, finished with the Northern Kingdom. Um, we've got a lot more time with the Southern Kingdom of Judah, uh, and that's something that we're, we'll see uh, in the next couple of days as well. Cool. What's yeah. up to you guys? Uh, I just noticed that Ahaz is still up to his dumb tricks. Um, <laughs> he So what we've seen him do in the past is sell off a lot of the silver and gold from the temple, which is a no-no. Uh, today, what he's going to do is just, like, create his own altar. Um, he makes the bronze altar. He makes a different altar, and then he takes the bronze altar. And then altar. he takes the bronze yeah. one. So he's he's basically pillaging the temple. I mean, this is not this is not an isolated case. And I, I, I could, I could see it playing out. (laughs) Who knows if this is how it actually went, but you know, usually when you want to do things, you know, you're not supposed to, you definitely don't want to say that you're doing something you shouldn't. So I could see him just being like, you know, I think we really need to spruce up the temple. I think, uh, (laughs) I got this new altar I'm going to build. Spin. It's yeah. I think a has probably knew how to spin this thing. Um, and then, then he takes the bronze altar and it's exclusively for him. Um, what's interesting to me about that is a lot of these, a lot of these prophets speaking against these kings and nations seem to be pretty focused on social justice, actually. Yeah. So, I mean, we definitely see Ahaz, uh, taking this, this kind of spin, trying to mislead people a little bit while he basically just takes all the good things from the temple. And originally when we see this temple being built by Solomon, it's extravagantly, adorned. It looks incredible. It's this beautiful building with that's just like decked out and it's all to bring glory to God. And now what Ahaz is doing is kind of breaking apart all these bits and pieces actually to bring glory to himself and his kingdom. You know, and there's actually, this is one of those warning signs that if you've been following along with us from the beginning, there were some very specific things that were meant to keep kings separate from priests. 
And it was kind of a way of dividing power, but it, I think it was also our protection so that kings wouldn't abuse their power for spiritual gain. Uh, and so when you see a king making a personal altar, that is like, that is a violation of these separations of power. And anytime we see that happening, personal priests, personal altars, somebody going in and making sacrifices on their own behalf, it just never ends well. Uh, that a good king was meant to honor the law and keep the law and respect the temple, but he wasn't meant to be in the temple or offering those sacrifices or doing those things. That was a very distinct thing. And I think God in his wisdom created some separation of power there so that one person wouldn't have all of that. Of course, the true king and the true priest uh, is embodied in Jesus, and he is able to handle that. But when it's a human being, uh, that's bad news. Hmm. He even, I'm just kind of reading this, he he even did all the sacrifices that we read about, like, in Leviticus and all those other books that I can't remember. <laughs> but, like, he did the liquid offering, the burnt offerings, the grain offerings. Um, not supposed to be doing that. He's not supposed to. <laughs> he's a king, not a priest. Hmm. He seems to be pretty comfortable doing it as well. So, you know, the, the interesting thing is, though, um, you know, I think that as we look at that, or even um, there's a, another passage here that was talked about how uh, Judah was being uh, humbled because of Ahaz's sin. And there, there's kind of this, there's also this weight that, that you see that when leaders do stupid things, when uh, either they sin or they, they try to take on more power, more things than they're supposed to do it actually affects other people too. And, and like for God to be humbling a nation due to its king's sin, that's sobering, you know? And of course, you know, we're all responsible for our own actions, but those actions have consequences. And consequences we know, if I do something stupid, it affects my family, it affects the people I work with. Uh, it's just, there's a weight of responsibility and leadership that uh, I think we get reminded of again and again as we see these kings. When they do stupid things, it hurts a lot of people. Hmm. Um, something that is sticking out to me is that Hezekiah reigned jointly with Ahaz's father until Ahaz died. Um, but Hezekiah did what was pleasing this the Lord. So I wonder what that looked like, that joint leadership of Ahaz doing bad things and Hezekiah doing good things. <laughs> I'm sure there's some interesting times. Yeah. Yeah. But we do. Uh, Hezekiah is one of the good guys. Yeah. And he actually breaks down the pagan shrines, which we've talked about over and over again the last few days mm-hmm. of just like these kings aren't breaking down the pagan shrines and the altars. Um, he finally does it. Uh, Hezekiah, though, he reigns a long time. Mm. So we're going to see him again and again. Uh, and some of the best parts of his leadership is yet to come. Mm-hmm. It actually says that Hezekiah was better than the kings before him and better than any of the kings after him. Hmm. So the author also believes Hezekiah is very uniquely awesome. Yes. And as far as uh, Israel goes, the northern kingdom, the last king that's mentioned in this reading is King Hashea. And then we go right into the reading of the prophet Hosea. Uh, And we're going to be in Hosea for a few days. So we're actually going to talk about Hosea more tomorrow. But just I want want to mention that we've kind of got to the end of the, the kings of the north. And Hashea, it's hard to say Hashea and Hosea in the same <laughs> the same podcast, but Hashea, the king <laughs> of Israel, uh, we end with him being put into prison and being taken by Assyria. That's kind of like a big pause on that storyline because uh, that's going to be the end of the entire northern kingdom that Assyria is going to eventually take them over and destroy them. So... Uh, we're going to see a prophecy about judgment, and then we're going to actually see it be fulfilled. So Hosea, the prophet, 
that's what's on tap for tomorrow and maybe even the day after that. So I, and I learned about this, but I cannot remember. What happens to the people of Israel when the king of Assyria puts Hosea in prison? So they're taken into exile. They're all taken at mm-hmm. that point. So okay. Assyria destroys the capital city of Samaria. That happens in the year 722. And they, Assyrians are brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there'll be yeah, some descriptions awful. of this. <laughs> they, uh, they take people and they scatter them. So basically... As Israel as a northern kingdom ceases to exist, mm-hmm. um, we don't really see them wholesale ever come back from exile. Mm-hmm. Guys, thanks so much for listening today. Um, I'm excited for tomorrow because we're jumping into Hosea, and it's a really super interesting book of the Bible. Um, so we'll be back tomorrow, and we'll see you then. Bye. Isaiah chapter 12, starting in verse 1. In that day you will sing, I will praise you, O Lord. You were angry with me, but not anymore. Now you comfort me. See, God has come to save me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. The Lord God is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. With joy you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. In that wonderful day you will sing. Thank the Lord. Praise his name. Tell the nations what he has done. Let them know how mighty he is. Sing to the Lord, for he has done wonderful things. Make known his praise around the world. Let all the people of Jerusalem shout his praise with joy, for great is the Holy One of Israel who lives among you. This message came to me concerning Damascus. Look, the city of Damascus will disappear. It will become a heap of ruins. The towns of Aurora will be destroyed. Flocks will graze in the streets and lie down undisturbed, with no one to chase them away. The fortified towns of Israel will also be destroyed, and the royal power of Damascus will end. All that remains of Syria will share the fate of Israel's departed glory, declares the Lord of heaven's armies. In that day, Israel's glory will grow dim. Its robust body will waste away. The whole land will look like a grain field after the harvesters have gathered the grain. It will be desolate. Like the fields in the valley of Rephim after the harvest, only a few of its people will be left. Like stray olives left on a tree after the harvest, only two or three remain in the highest branches, four or five scattered here and there on the limbs, declares the Lord, the God of Israel. Then at last the people will look to their creator and turn their eyes to the Holy One of Israel. They will no longer look to their idols for help or worship what their own hands have made. They will never again bow down to their Asherah poles or worship at the pagan shrines they have built. Their largest cities will be like a deserted forest, like the land the Hivites and Amorites abandoned when the Israelites came here so long ago. It will be utterly desolate. Why? Because you have turned from the God who can save you. You have forgotten the rock who can hide you. So you may plant the finest grapevines and import the most expensive seedlings. They may sprout on the day you set them out. Yes, they may blossom on the very morning you plant them, but you will never pick any grapes from them. Your only harvest will be a load of grief and unrelieved pain. Listen, the armies of many nations roar like the roaring of the sea. Hear the thunder of the mighty forces as they rush forward like thundering waves. But though they thunder like breakers on a beach, God will silence them and they will run away. They will flee like chaff scattered by the wind, like tumbleweed whirling before a storm. In the evening, Israel waits in terror, but by dawn its enemies are dead. This is, ju- the, this is the just reward for those who plunder us, a fitting end for those who destroy us. Second Chronicles chapter 28, starting in verse 16. 
At that time, King Ahaz of Judah asked the king of Assyria for help. The armies of Edom have again invaded Judah and taken captives. And the Philistines had raided towns located in the foothills of Judah and in the Gev of Judah. They had already captured and occupied Beth Shemesh, Ajalon, Gederoth, Saka and its villages, Timnah and its villages, Gimzo and its villages. The Lord was humbling Judah because the king Ahaz of Judah, for he had encouraged his people to sin and had been utterly unfaithful to the Lord. So when King Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria arrived, he attacked Ahaz instead of helping him. Ahaz took valuable items from the Lord's temple, the royal palace, and from the homes of his officials and gave them to the king of Assyria as tribute, but this did not help him. 2 Kings 16, starting in verse 10. King Ahaz then went down to Damascus to meet with King Tilgath-Pileser of Assyria. While he was there, he took special note of the altar. Then he sent a model of the altar to Uriah the priest, along with its design in full detail. Uriah followed the king's instructions and built an altar just like it, and it was ready before the king returned from Damascus. When the king returned, he inspected the altar and made offerings on it. He presented a burnt offering and a grain offering. He poured out a liquid offering, and he sprinkled the blood of peace offerings on the altar. Then King Ahaz removed the old bronze altar from its place in front of the Lord's temple between the entrance and the new altar and placed it on the north side of the new altar. He told Uriah the priest, Use the new altar for the morning sacrifices of the burnt offering, the evening grain offering, the king's burnt offering and grain offering, and the burnt offerings of all the people, as well as their grain offerings and liquid offerings. Sprinkle the blood from all the burnt offerings and sacrifices on the new altar. The bronze altar will be my pers- for my personal use only. Uriah the priest did just as King Ahaz commanded him. Then the king removed the side panels and basins from the portable water carts. He also removed the great bronze basin called the sea from the backs of the bronze oxen and placed it on the stone pavement. In deference to the king of Assyria, he also removed the canopy that had been constructed inside the palace for use on the Sabbath day, as well as the king's outer entrance to the temple of the Lord. Second Chronicles 28, starting in verse 22. Even during the time of trouble, King Ahaz continued to reject the Lord. He offered sacrifices to the gods of Damascus who had defeated him. For he said, since these gods helped the king of Aram, they will help me too. If I sacrifice to them, but instead they led to his ruin and the ruin of all Judah. The king took the various articles from the temple of God and broke them into pieces. He shut the doors of the Lord's temple so that no one could worship there. And he set up altars to pagan gods in every corner of Jerusalem. He made pagan shrines in all the towns of Judah for offering sacrifices to other gods. In this way, he aroused the anger of the Lord, the God of his ancestors. Second Kings 18. Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, began to rule over Judah in the third year of King Hosea's reign of Israel. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. He removed the pagan shrines, smashed the sacred pillars, and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made, because the people of Israel had been offering sacrifices to it. The bronze serpent was called Neshutan. 
Hezekiah trusted the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among the other kings of Judah, either before or after his time. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything, and he carefully obeyed all the commands the Lord had given Moses. So the Lord was with with him, and Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. He revolted against the king of Assyria and refused to pay him tribute. He also conquered the Philistines as far distant as Gaza and its territory, from the smallest outpost to the largest walled city. 2 Chronicles 29 Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became the king of Judah, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. Then Hoshea's son of Elah conspired against Pekah and assassinated him. He began to rule over Israel in the 20th year of Jotham, son of Uzziah. The rest of the events of Pekah's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. Hoshea, son of Elah, began to rule over Israel in the 12th year of King Ahaz's reign in Judah. He re- reigned in Samaria nine years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, but he did, n- he did not to the same extent as the kings of Israel who ru- ruled before him. King Shalmanser of Assyria attacked King Hoshea, so Hoshea was forced to pay heavy tribute to Assyria. But Hoshea stopped paying the annual tribute and conspired against the king of Assyria by asking King So of Egypt to help him shake free of Assyria's power. When the king of Assyria discovered this treachery, he seized Hoshea and put him in prison. Hosea chapter 1. The Lord gave this message to Hosea, son of Beri, during the years when Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah, and Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, was king of Israel. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, Go and marry a prostitute, so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of Dibnaim, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. And the Lord said, Name the child Jezreel, for I am about to punish King Jehu's dynasty to avenge the murders he committed at Jezreel. In fact, I will bring an end to Israel's independence. I will break its military power in the Jezreel Valley. Soon Gomer became pregnant, became pregnant again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to Hosea, Name your daughter Lo-Rumah, not loved, for I will no longer show love to the people of Israel or forgive them. But I will show love to the people of Judah. I will free them from their enemies, not with weapons and armors or horses and charioteers, but by my power as the Lord their God. After Gomer had weaned Loruma, she again became pregnant and gave birth to a second son. And the Lord said, Name him Loamai, not my people, for Israel is not my people, and I am not their God. Yet the time will come when Israel's people will be like the sands of the seashore, too many to count. Then at the place where you were told, You are not my people, it will be said, You are the children of the living God. Then the people of Judah and Israel will reunite together. They will choose one leader for themselves, and they will return from exile together. What a day that will be, the day of, Jez- of Jezreel, when God will again plant his people in his land. In that day, you will call your brothers Ami, my people, and you will call your sisters Rumah, the one I love. But now bring charges against Israel. 
your mother, for she is no longer my wife, and I am no longer her husband. Tell her to remove the prostitute's makeup from her face and the clothing that exposes her breast. Otherwise, I will strip her as naked. As she was on the day she was born, I will leave her to die of thirst as in a dry and barren wilderness, and I will not love her children, for they were conceived in prostitution. Their mother is a shameless prostitute and became pregnant in a shameful way. She said, I'll run after other lovers and sell myself to them for food and water, for clothing of wool and linen, for the olive oil and drinks. For this reason, I will fence her in with thorn brushes. I will block her path with a wall. I will make her lose her way. When she runs after her lovers, she won't be able to catch them. She will search for them, but she will not find them. Then she will think, I might as well return to my husband, for I was better off with him than I am now. She doesn't realize it was I who gave her everything she has, the grain, the new wine, the olive oil. I even gave her silver and gold, but she gave my gifts to Baal. But now I will take back the ripened grain and the new wine I generously provided for each harvest season. I will take away the wool and linen clothing I gave her to cover her nakedness. I will strip her naked in public while all her lovers look on. No one will be able to rescue her from my hands, and I will put an end to her annual festivals, her noon moon celebrations and her Sabbath days, and all her appointed festivals festivals. I will destroy her grapevines and fig trees, things she claims her lovers gave her. I will let them grow into tangled thickets where only wild animals will eat the fruit. I will punish her for all those times when she burned incense to the images of Baal. When she put on her earrings and jewels, she went to look for other lovers, but forgot all about me, says the Lord. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.